Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. You may be seated. Just wanted to say that. Uh, hope you all are doing well wherever you are this morning. Just a couple of announcements. We want to remind you, Take Two is happening Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. where we talk about what things I share here this morning. And if something I share this morning prompts a question, uh, you can always Email it to us at info at thegenesisstory.com. You could always message me. I think most of you have my phone number or are friends with me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and so that's a way that you can reach out and we can try and answer what questions might be prompted. I think if there are questions prompted, that's a good thing, right? The whole point of our time looking at scripture and talking about faith is to stir up thoughts and our imagination towards God, to look at scripture and allow it to inspire us, to breathe life into us. And so for that to happen, hopefully we are provoked in some ways and have questions. I know Brent said he has a bunch of them written down now, so hopefully we can get to some of those as well. Uh, the other announcement is we want to remind you that we are still dependent on your offerings and financial support for Genesis to continue. We do need that. And so we have the various ways of giving. Uh, we have Zelle at info at thegenesisstory.com. Uh, we have Venmo. Uh, we can, you can mail it here or however else we have there on the website. If you go to the Genesis Story You'll find all those things there where you can give and continue to support us so that we can continue doing these things and hopefully live on past all the things that are happening uh, right now. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on. I, I know that there is constant, especially during the holiday season, pressure of what's the right thing to do? What are we supposed to do at a time of pandemic? I know there's a video that's going out um, right now that I've seen a few times uh, shared uh, about the Riverside Sheriff's Department and how they're not going to close people down uh, if they see a business opening. And I don't think that should happen either. I don't think that we should be you know, closing businesses down. But I also think that we need to be aware of what is happening around us. As believers in Jesus, what we want to do is have our ear to the pulse of the community, 
and see what's happening. This past Friday, uh, my daughter, who works at San Antonio, uh, they had what's called code triage take place at their hospital. And what code triage is, it means every nurse who is available, who isn't on something that is emergency related, had to go to the ER and help them because they were so inundated. There were so many patients that they could not adequately care for all those who were coming in. Now, not all of them, of course, are COVID. The problem that's happening, and again, this is where so much information is coming at us and we're having to juggle what we believe and what we're listening to. But what is happening in the hospitals are the COVID patients are requiring a lot more time to recover and they are taking up rooms for other patients who could come in. And so if you have, you know, a punctured uh, retina because you got in an accident and they can't care for you adequately because the rooms and all the facilities are being taken, then it affects you and not just these people. And so when you see statistics, well, you know, it's only this many people, the mortality rate, you have to take all these things in consideration. And what I want us to do more than anything is to be aware of how fearful people are the anxiety level that is being raised in people and how can we calm that pulse? This week, I I was originally going to be speaking on John the Baptist. I I was gonna talk about uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. I was gonna talk about King Herod and the contrast of a king and the priest in Zachariah and how Zachariah and Elizabeth, very reminiscent of Abraham and uh, Sarah and Jacob and Rachel and Hannah and her son Samuel, how there's always this promise when there's things barren. But I I, I wanted to change things because I feel like there is a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, whether you believe one way or not, there is pressure on us in all these areas. And I, I just really wanted to pull back and get back to the focus of Christ and what that means for us. Because that is our heartbeat as Christians is Christ and who he is and looking towards that. And so I wanna look at John's gospel and talk about how John describes Advent, right? Advent is all these things leading up to the birth of Christ. And John's gospel doesn't give us the details that the other gospels give regarding the birth of Jesus. And last year, which was a lifetime ago, we went through a series entitled Woven in Gospel, where I I went through the Gospel of John, and showed how John, written all these years after the other Gospels, actually gave us interpretation of the other Gospels and helped us maybe to see some of the things that he felt needed to be understood even after these other Gospels were written. And I think that is true here with Advent. We, we can talk about all the things that were taking place, the people, the places, 
But John gets to something a little bit deeper. And in John 1, verse 14, we really get to the heart of what John is communicating here. And he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John is starting out with the word. He's starting out with this understanding of the word became flesh because the Greeks, that was their ultimate reality. The ultimate truth was the logos, right? This spoken word, this, this is a revelation. It is a revealing. And so everything was connected to that. The logos, that which gives meaning. It's the answer behind everything. The impersonal force that they believed in would now become a personal being. The word has become fleshed. Eugene Peterson's translation has pitched his tent in our neighborhood. And so John is taking this concept of God that the Greeks had that was so huge and he's bringing it down to something so intimate. And you see, this is the good news. The good news is that the, the logos, the, the word, that the expression of God, all that you can think that God is, all that happens that God does has dwelt among us, has come close. This is at the beginning of what John is trying to convey. And all the way back in verse one, chapter one, John, he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The Greeks would be saying, yes, exactly. That's what we believe, the, the word, the expression, that God is this expression. He goes on and he says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That word, logos, the ultimate reality behind the scenes of life, they would nod their heads, yes, yes, yes. But then it becomes flesh, dwells among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The divine person as an expression of God. The writer of Hebrews would tell us that he is the radiance of God's glory. That he is the exact imprint of his nature. And that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The gospel story is captured in this incarnation. The almighty would become frail, that the powerful would take on weakness so that the nature of God could be seen and could be experienced. 
And there's something amazing about this story, right? The idea always intrigues me, and I think us. I mean, we see it so many times in the stories we tell in the movies that we have where there is someone who is, you know, powerful who has to become weak so that we can identify with them so that then they could overcome that weakness in a different state, right? The prince and the pauper. I mean, just about every Disney story, Beauty and the Beast, you name them. They all have this kind of theme running through them where you think you're this, you have to become something else so that you can actually live more fulfilled life. And we see that reality taking place here in this story that we now get to experience, right? Our fragility, how fragile we are, is something that confronts us at some point, all the time. Yesterday, we had a memorial for Colleen. And once again, we're reminded of how frail we are. Today actually marks the one-year anniversary of my mom's passing. I thought it was the fourth, but it's the sixth because it's just a blur. The reality is we are more frail than we realize. And when these kinds of things happen, there is an awakening that happens in us to the reality of life around us. We, we see things more clearly. We understand how temporary we are. And what usually happens is we try to deny this by empowering ourselves in different ways. Right? It might even be through you know, uh, alcohol. It might be some kind of self-medication where I have control of this so I feel like I have control of my life because the reality it is we don't have much control of everything and that can overwhelm us. And sometimes the awareness of, oh my gosh, I really don't control much causes anxiety in us. Other people want to take control by gaining money, achieving things, and, and we want to do these things, and asserting our power over other people makes us feel like we're in control. I, I think this is the, the motivation of most of the world is trying to gain control and using people so that we can feel that we have control. Thinking that becoming more wealthy, more famous, more powerful will somehow escape the truth of who we really are, which is frail, which is dust, a vapor, James would say. And in this fragile state, God joins us. This, I have so little control. God steps in to our weakness. This is where the story of Jesus begins to redeem the notion of what's important and how we should live. I've been on this emotional roller coaster the past week wanting to represent the Lord to Colleen's family, to honor Colleen, wanting to prepare for hope and the Christmas messages of Advent, 
and training a dog named Bruno. All at the same time. And I find myself jumping from thought to thought. And it's been kind of a schizophrenic week for me where I'm thinking, oh man, I've got to... I've got to focus on this and being overwhelmed emotionally with the thoughts that come with losing a friend and wanting to help family cope and understand and get hope and dealing with the remembering of my mom and all the things that are happening and all the the messages I'm getting on my phone from a year ago that remind me of what happened today and having to teach a dog not to jump on me. And I feel like a basket case, right? I'm like, who am I? What's going on? Why am I here? What, what's happening through all of these things? And these are all part of my reality right now. And I get whiplash just thinking. It's like, no, oh my gosh, what's happening? And it happens like this and like this, like this. And then you watch the news. I don't, I don't watch much news anymore. I'll read a few things, but... I'll see things on social media and I'll see something else and, and there's this clash that's going on within the lives of people and within our society. And I don't mind conflict. I, I have a problem with the inability to communicate and not listening. But we have to at some point recognize that we can't control everything. We are never meant to. And I wanted to try and give something for the people who are worried about making rent this month. For the people who are locked up because they are people who are vulnerable and have maybe preconditions and are afraid. For the people who are suffering through depression and anxiety. I was talking with Kareen, I think it was last night, and, and I was just saying, oh man, I've got this going on, I've got this going. She goes, you know, you're suffering from anxiety. And I was like, I am? I guess I, guess I am. I, I guess I am anxious. I, 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 now that you put it that way, I'm anxious that I'm anxious. Um, but I want to retain the gospel for all of us who are going through all these things in life. The loss of loved ones, the loss of work, the loss of connection, the fear of getting sick, the the fear and anxiety of dealing with life. I've said it before and I mean it now more than ever. I can't believe in a God who does not weep. I, I cannot believe in a God who doesn't understand the frailty. And you see, this passage of John is about that, that God would become a baby subject to the responsibility of someone else. I don't want anyone else being in charge of me. But Jesus put himself there. What I need to do, what we need to do, is look at how Christ lived to see what it's like to be human, to be whole, to be healthy, 
when I see the vulnerability of Jesus, it pulls me into that place where I recognize vulnerability isn't a weakness. It's part of being human. That I need to be vulnerable, again, to the right people, not just to everybody or anybody. Because Jesus, though he was God, did not act like God. And us being human, sometimes we get it wrong, don't we? I want to act like I'm in control. I want to act like I have it under control. Jesus didn't try to. He didn't act as if he was God. He lowered himself because he didn't act like God. The gospel pronounces that he was the son of man. He acted like a man is supposed to act, like a human is supposed to act. And that's what we are supposed to imitate. The other day, this past week, my grandson, one of my grandsons, tasted a milkshake for the first time. His dad bought him a milkshake. I forget where it was from. And he videotaped him as he was drinking it. And his first response after drinking the milkshake was, oh my God, this is good, Dad. And I watched that over and over again, and I laughed at just the sheer honesty of a milkshake for the first time was, oh my God, this is good, Dad. There was no fear of, am I using the Lord's name in vain? There's no fear of, am I getting this wrong? There was no like worry about the milkshake that was all over his face. It was just embracing that time. It was the vulnerability to the reality of the situation that milkshakes are amazing thing. He says, it looks like a drink, but it's ice cream. It's an ice cream drink. That was his explanation, which was perfect, right? It's a exactly what it is. No wonder Jesus said, you know, you need to become like a little child if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is for such as these because the ones who are guarded, the ones who are protecting, the ones who resist the fact that they are vulnerable, who are weak, who can't express and just say, oh my God, this is good, or oh my God, this is bad, or oh my God, I hurt cannot be real and the kingdom is real and Jesus steps in the reality of humanity and dwells among us. And there is an experience in that fullness of being human that comes with the, oh my God, it's a milkshake and it's good and comes with the, oh my God, I hurt or I'm afraid that is real and is where God meets us. That's why I find it comforting that Jesus wept, that he sang, that he rejoiced, that he got angry, that he felt betrayed. Let's me know when I do, it's human. I don't have to Try and let it all go off me like, you know, water on a duck's back. Ah, it doesn't faze me. It does. It all does. 
the situation we're living in right now, it affects me. It affects you too. And if we pretend it doesn't, then we're in trouble. We have to name it. We have to acknowledge it. And we have to live in it in a way that is healthy for us and for the people around us, which is really important. When John writes, we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That idea of glory, if I think about maybe in the Old Testament and some things, the idea of glory is something that's so bright and so brilliant, you can't obtain it right? It's glory and you hide from it. Oh, the glory of God. Oh, it's something that's just overwhelming. But this glory is not something too bright to behold. This is a transfer of what God has that is being given to us. It's what we read in John 17, right? When Jesus is praying that the glory you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one. In chapter two of John, he would go on and he says that after he turned the water into wine, that the disciples beheld his glory and believed in him. It was a sharing, not a distancing. And so the glory of God is something that pulls us closer to himself and something that embraces us completely. Where we are, who we are, as we are. This is a glory that doesn't distance, but draws near. The glory of God is the self-giving of Jesus and his humanity to the other. That's the glory of God. The self-giving of Christ, full of grace and truth. I'm excited in January, I'm gonna do a series on grace and truth. It's gonna be four parts. I've already, can't think of what I'm doing tomorrow, but I can think of what I'm doing in January. Because we think of grace and truth as opposites. There's grace and there's truth, right? The truth is that, you know, uh, you could say whatever it is. The truth is, you know, that, hey, I don't think you're living right. I think you're drinking too much. I think your clothes are too tight, whatever it is, right? That's the truth. I, I can remember high school groups, you know. The truth is, young lady, that you shouldn't be wearing spaghetti straps. I think that's what they're called, right? And then the grace is, well, it's okay. And that, that they're this opposite, and we either balance this way, oh, we gotta, you know, talk about the truth. Oh, we're gonna talk about grace now. But that's not how grace and truth work. They, they work together. And it's important that we see them in that way. And I wanna talk about that later. But the idea here is that we need both. I, I need to know the truth about who I am, my weakness. I need to name those things. It, it's the only way to to be whole, is to recognize the condition that I'm in, right? It's not the healthy that need a physician, but the sick. Jesus is not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I need to know that that's me. I need to recognize those things about myself, and that helps me not take 
the speck out of my brother's eye because I recognize I've got a beam in my own. And until I deal with that, I'm no help to the other person. And so I have to recognize these things. I need to name them. I need grace for others, and I need grace for myself. The implications of this are are massive as we see God stand with those who need grace. As we see Jesus come to not the religious, not the wealthy, not the royalty, but to the poor, to the sick, to the, quote, sinners. I read something, and I'm not even sure who it was by. It was just written down, and so it was on a website, but the author wasn't known. And it says, Why on earth would God choose to be born among a defeated people in a backwoods town under a shadow of dishonor through a dirt-poor, unwed teenager? Solidarity. That's why. The very first statement that Jesus ever voiced about his concern for the poor, oppressed, marginalized people was when he cried out as one of them. Eyes shut tight, mouth opened wide, wailing, kicking, shaking, and dripping with blood and amniotic fluid. It was one of the most profound acts of solidarity with the poor he could make. He cast his lot not with the world's emperors or with the rich and the powerful, but with the world's demoralized peasants. When God voted with his birth, he voted for the poor. It was the fulfillment of a long-awaited plan for God to live among the people he had made. Merry Christmas. This is our gospel. The beauty of this incarnation is that the Jesus born turns to us and says, let my spirit now fill you. Become my sons, my daughters. And who I have been to you, you are to be to the world. That's what the church is meant to be. Christ to the world. What happens too often is that this story is something that touches our hearts, but doesn't change our lives. Because we are so guarded, because we are so protected, because we don't want to enter into the place of dependency, the the place of need. We we don't want to be vulnerable. We want to put on the mask. We want to hide ourselves in the best light. We want to put that filter on Instagram that makes us look 10 years younger because we're afraid that if we're really seen, we won't fit. We won't measure up. And the truth is, none of us do. And the freedom is, oh my God, this is good, Dad. The freedom is, I don't have to measure up because God has come to me as I am. This is gospel. 
when we say we follow Jesus but continue to, to seek comfort in control. When we say we follow Jesus but we want satisfaction in the power and control we can obtain. We want to follow Jesus but we continue a life of material consumption because those are the things that we think will meet and help our lack. The self-gratification without concern for others. We betray the identity of Jesus we claim to follow. And what happens is the world that is watching makes our weakness, our hypocrisy, God's. What I've loved about our community here at Genesis is the striving to be open, to be real, to be honest. We don't have it down. We're not perfect. But we keep falling forward. And I love that we have tried to lean into the idea that we are here to help. We are here to do good. We are here for the benefit of others. We want to represent Jesus well. And I think of all the things that we've done, and some have been great and some have failed. I remember when we moved Colleen into an apartment in Randy Street, and we fixed up the apartment, and we painted it, and we did all kinds of work because we wanted to have her there in the neighborhood because she was in the neighborhood. The people loved her. We wanted to develop maybe some Bible studies and things there, and it didn't work out but at least we tried. We we leaned into that. I I love the things that the ladies did with the word and deed where they would get together, they'd study scripture, and then they would do some good. And even our efforts to try and help the homeless, even though maybe what we did wasn't the best thing, at least it was something. Healthy Start trying to reach out, help the kids and the things that we've done there. The 10 miles for Terry, the things we did to help Terry when she was going through cancer even the needs that Colleen had with some of insurances. I I love the things that we've had. I don't know how many people have benefited from Dr. Quinlan because someone has sponsored them to be able to go to a counselor. These are all things I just love, right? And, And then Haiti, the things that we've done in Haiti, great and beautiful things. We even had a college fund for some of the kids who were in high school and going into college. And we gave them some money, and then they left. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I, we have to lean into those things because that's what this is about. Just as God is leaning into us and our weakness, we need to lean into the weaknesses of others in ways that are helpful. And that's why, again, we encourage you this holiday season to give more and spend less. I don't need anything else. I really don't. Oh, I want all kinds of things. I could, I could show you my Amazon list. I don't need anything. I'd rather that money go towards something that would benefit others. And I encourage you to find that. Again, I am 
contributing towards the forareason.org, the work in Haiti, the helping kids go to school. You don't have to do that, but I lay that out for you as something that you can do. If you're going to buy one less gift, maybe give towards that or towards another cause that will be helpful. See, even though all the things we've done haven't been successful, they're part of our DNA. I, I want that to remain part of my DNA is to lean into the needs and help those that I see in ways that we can and figuring ways out. And we're still trying to do that. A lot of the things that we've wanted to do have just been difficult with the pandemic because we can't gather like we want to. But we're going to still try. We're going to still lean in that direction. How can we represent God well to the world? And this is why I started at the beginning with this whole COVID thing. Paul told the church in Corinth, you are free to do anything. Think about the Corinthian church and all that they were doing. Do you really want to give these people a license to do everything? I mean, gosh, one of those guys was sleeping with his mother-in-law. Paul's telling him all things are lawful. And he follows up and he says, but not everything is beneficial. We have incredible freedom. What is beneficial to the people who need to hear this good news? What is necessary Because you're free to do anything. Jesus was, and he became your servant. Mm. Let us take our freedoms and put them into servitude to help those around us. How can the incarnation of Christ transform our life in such a way that we're no longer going to fill or try to fill the frailty of life with false securities, control, power, even in the name of freedom. But instead, may this incarnation fill our lives with the humble reality of daily dependence. That's what we need. I need to be that kid again who needs to be near. It's so funny. My grandson, he's at our house the other day and he's in the living room playing. And he says, Grandma, I'm alone. She's like, you're not alone. He goes, yes, I'm lonely. She goes, I'm right here. Right here was in the kitchen. He was in the living room. It wasn't close enough. Maybe right now what you're saying, God, I'm alone. You're in the kitchen. I'm in the living room. And for him, it was too far away. 
He wasn't happy until grandma was right there playing trains with him. It had to be grandma. Grandpa's not the same as grandma. She's more fun playing trains than I am. I want to be that close. I want to be that honest. Jesus, I'm alone. I know you're here, but I need you here. I know you're good, but I'm feeling bad. I need a daily dependence, and it's okay. In fact, let that come out of you so that the work of God can work in you. Let's pray. Father, may this season be opportunity to become more dependent. May it allow us to see and learn from you your solidarity with our weakness. Father, may we not put on a facade, pretend to be okay when we're not. May we not pretend to be anything but the child who needs and yearns and desires more of you. May we be honest with ourselves. May we be honest before you and with others. And may we be a people who can find comfort in this honesty with one another. With no pretense. No pretending to be what we are not. May we come to you in all all our weaknesses, all our struggles, and know that that is where you desire to meet us. We do pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Father, I pray for those who will listen to this, who are struggling who find themselves in a place of weakness, a place of dependence. I pray, Lord, that they would find your grace there, your peace. Meet them where they are at. And for those of you who are struggling, do not do this alone. Reach out to someone and simply say, will you pray for me? You don't have to. If you don't want to, tell them what's going on, but do not go through this alone. Christ came for us where you're at. We are here to be for one another where we are at. And so I encourage you who are struggling, and I know there are a lot of us, reach out. Just send a text, make a phone call, 
If you can, get together with someone in person, distance with a mask, whatever is safe for you and comfortable for you, but do not go through this alone. And may you find comfort in the God who stepped down to raise you up. And may you learn to lift others up by stepping down as he did. God bless you guys. We love you. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.